1: Hi there and welcome to the Mick Clifford podcast. My name is Sean Murray and I'm a news reporter with the Irish Examiner, stepping in for Mick for the next two weeks while he's on annual leave. Now, just before the doll broke up for the summer, a piece of legislation that's been long debated, long contested and long lobbied over passed through the committee stage of the Oireachtas and it's expected it will pass before the end of the year. We're talking about the Gambling Regulation Bill, now, across the country, many people are fond of having a bet, whether it be on the lotto, the horses, the football, etc. But gambling, as we know, doesn't just happen in a bookies anymore. It can happen on our phones 24-7. And what this legislation proposes to do is bring how we regulate gambling into the 21st century at last. It'll do things like creating our very first gambling regulator. It'll introduce strict curbs on advertising and also create a social impact fund to support problem gambling initiatives. So I'm joined today by Professor Colin O'Gara, who's a consultant psychiatrist and head of addiction services at St. John of God's Hospital. So thanks very much for joining us, Colin. Thank you, Sean. Good to talk to you. So the first thing I wanted to ask you was just a a very broad one, just, just to get your thoughts. Why do you think we need this legislation? How badly do you think it's needed that we pass this bill?
0: Well, the existing legislation is incredibly outdated. So it goes back to the 1930s and 1950s. And I think anybody looking at it would say it's, it's not fit for purpose. But on top of that, we have had really since 2009, 2010, people started using smartphones. And since then, we've had the strong proliferation of gambling, the normalization of gambling, and the development of the gambling product. And this has, of course, on one level brought gambling to, made it more convenient and brought it to a lot more people, but it's also caused harm to a lot more people. And it's really, from my perspective as a clinician working with people with gambling addiction, it's really about getting legislation in to control the level of harm that has been caused to individuals.
1: Now when you're talking about the level of harm is that something that you have seen ramp up over the last decade or so in terms of the maybe the degree or severity or, or number of people who have been coming forward?
0: Yes without a doubt I mean in terms of presentations to our clinics there was a time if you go back to maybe 06 or 07 there wasn't a major issue with gambling. But since with the advent of online gambling, there's no question that clinical presentations have increased dramatically. And in terms of the impact that gambling has as opposed to other addictions, I mean, it's an addiction that is very silent, very covert. Um, With a substance addiction, you get get warning signs and, uh, you know, loved ones and families generally spot that there's a difficulty. It can be very overt in the case of alcohol. You see frequent periods of alcohol intoxication or with drug addiction. You can see the same thing and there's a physical deterioration in the individual. But with gambling, it's very covert. And we're seeing this now in terms of not just gambling, but we're seeing a whole set of addictions that are related to the phone or usage of a smartphone. Remember that broadband uh, capacity has increased dramatically. We saw in... Asian countries prior to gambling addiction setting um uh, getting a hold in, in UK and Ireland we would see in in uh, Asian countries much higher rates because the broadband there was much better and the uh you know smartphone usage and smartphone development there was was much better but in recent years with us purchasing these highly um able um and, and highly sophisticated um pieces of technology, we have had all of these issues brought in to our lives. And I mean, it's not just gambling. I mean, you know, one of the other issues is Internet gaming disorder um, in terms of video gaming. It is a significant problem, you know, in children, adolescents and adults. And the other piece is, is sex addiction in terms of people accessing their phones to either message other people to go on webcams to access porn or to contact sex workers. And that area is really exploding at present. And then there's a final piece, which is overuse of the phone in general. So just overuse of the device. I mean, we we will all say that we're using a device too much at the moment, but it's not causing particular problems. But you can imagine that for some individuals that is is, is a problem. So gambling sits amongst, um, you know, a set of what we call process addictions. And, um, you know, this is the first piece of legislation that will actually try to curb some of the damage that has come from these um, portals or phones, you know? Well,
1: because like essentially what people who have gambling accounts have on their phone it's essentially a casino that, that they can access at any time on their phone. And obviously for a lot of people who enjoy a bet, it's, it's, it, that might not be an issue. But for people who, who are addicted or who are facing problems, it, it, it's an ever-present in their lives because their phone is always with them. You never see a person without their phone.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the difficulties we're going to face is it's very difficult to police the online space, you know. And it's, there are so many different operators on there now in terms of the gambling product. And, you know, it's it's the legislation that's coming forward will look at the low hanging fruit. I mean, it will look at advertising during um, uh, pre-watershed times. Um, it will look at creating a social fund where we can start to look at how we're going to treat people and how we're going to develop services. Um, and it's a really, you know, um long and developed document but you know more than anything it's a starting point it's by no means perfect and um you know it's been a lot of you know different groups either from pro gambling or you know I wouldn't say anti gambling but you know people who are concerned about the effects that gambling are, is having on 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 the individual and it really i mean the, the development of the gambling regulatory authority under the leadership of Anne Marie Caulfield is a very positive Uh, development but you know that gambling authority has got a huge task in terms of the breadth of gambling you know like even to to look at the invasion of gambling into the world of internet gaming in the form of loot boxes you have daily fantasy sports this is where you have a fantasy league which is actually played over a day and um, this is you know a much quicker form of fantasy sports which the betting industry in the U.S. looks to be um, investing in quite heavily at the moment, and really the proliferation of a normalization of the gambling product in society as a whole—you see betting on Big Brother or you know any kind of you know political events. Um, so what we've got to do is we've got to use this starting point as a means of identifying gambling as a potentially harmful behavior and um start to get treatment services in for people and get education out about the effects of gambling i mean you know fantasy sports is an example there's probably schools uh doing fantasy sport leagues and have no idea whatsoever in terms of the impact that that can have um in terms of um you know getting kids into the um uh getting ready really for gambling later in life i mean. The links between fantasy sports and sports betting in young men is is it's a tiny little sliver. And schools will be running fantasy leagues, be it around the Six Nations or the Premiership, uh, without any knowledge. Similarly, you know, without any knowledge of the potential damage. Similarly, family apps, um, you know, where the parents will be told that the safety age limit is like three plus. That's in Ireland, Um, so it's safe for kids from three plus up, but in Australia that might be 12 plus, and then in other countries it might be 18 because there's a spin it and win it feature within the game. So kids are actually spinning a wheel. Very young children are spinning a wheel in these video games, and um, parents have no idea that that that's actually a gambling feature. Similarly in loot boxes in video games kids are playing various um, very, very well known video games, but actually they're gambling in a part of the game. So it, it's that proliferation that is very worrying and that. And that's the kind of thing that the regulator needs to look at in terms of Ireland, Belgium has, has already banned loot boxes as we know, but we need to, we need to establish our own regulator. Now which we're going to do and uh, get started on a long, long list of priorities with gambling.
1: There was quite a lot of points that you touched on there that, that I'd like to come back to, but the piece about the, the fantasy football leagues, I think, is, is, is really stood out to me there because obviously we have loads of fans of the Premier League in this country and the Premier League is coming back in, in a few weeks time. And it would be something that maybe I would have done myself with friends. We might set up a league and we'll pick our players and see who does best can you explain to me the link there especially when, when when children are playing these fantasy leagues so for people who don't know it's 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 a league where um you pick the the players that you want uh, from the premier league within a set budget and obviously the the better players will cost more and you have to find the right balance in there and if they score a goal you earn points etc can you explain there wh- why that would be a concern for you why why uh, children playing these especially
0: well, back in the day, fantasy sports was played over a season. It's slow. You pick your players, and based on the your pick, you have an outcome which is either successful or not. I mean, that's effectively the same as a bet, but it's a very slow bet over a season. What's happening at the moment is that fantasy sports has now been condensed down into daily fantasy sports or otherwise known as DFS. So, you know, this these uh fantasy sports are uh, a growth area in gambling. Um, some of these companies have been bought by the bigger gambling companies because they can see the the connection and the potential. Um, so, as with the the development of in play betting within sports betting, um where you can basically bet on anything in real time, the gambling product is always morphing. It's always changing. It's always seeing where it can, what areas it can move into to essentially uh, increase return for shareholders and daily fantasy sports is addictive it is a gambling product and um the links between that and actual fantasy sports is is obvious so all the while um this product is proliferating we are presenting with um you know with with young men who are absolutely blown apart their lives are blown apart from various aspects of the gambling product and it's our role really as caregivers is also to advocate on behalf of our patients and at the moment in Ireland we have no protections essentially in terms of the various products and what we have to do is to create and develop protections for for these products so that we can counterbalance you know the constant proliferation that's going on To know what's really happening, subscribe to the Irish Examiner today at irishexaminer.com forward slash
1: subscribe.
0: Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too.
1: There was one aspect as well that you mentioned there. It's around loot boxes in video games. So th- this was something that I, I, I introduced to in lockdown when I, um, when we had nothing to do, and I, I opened up my PlayStation and started playing uh, the FIFA game series again, the, the popular football game series. And for for people who don't know what they are, so it's it's basically a, a trading card game within the video game where you can pay real life money to um for a randomised chance at getting the best players in the game like a, a Ronaldo or a Messi etc and you can spend like actual cash money and there's no limit to what you can spend. And there's also a very small chance that you will get the, the kind of desired outcome. Um, And obviously a lot of kids will be playing these games. And it was something that surprised me um, at the time when I, when when, when I realized what they were, but it's not just this football game. These loot boxes are, are are in lots of different games that a lot of children will play as well. Isn't that right?
0: Yeah, that's right. And, I recently saw that that very uh, loot box that you're talking about and it was a, a video online and Ronaldo came up and um, the chap, uh, a young man, you know, was so ecstatic that he uh, ended up, I think he was throwing around some aspect of his uh, equipment and it ended up smashing a, t- a television behind him. So, you know, such was the euphoria at pulling, you know, Ronaldo out of the pack. So essentially this is the same as a slot machine and getting your, you know, your three cherries on the, you know, in a row, like there is no difference here because it's a random schedule reinforcement principle from a psychological point of view. We know that that's addictive. And so all the while the gambling product is proliferating, it's developing, it's moving into different areas, it's jumping onto different platforms. It's linking up with other uh, processes on phones and across um you know various IT processes and it is you know all the while becoming more and more attractive to particularly young men but also women. I mean it's, it's you know it's probably more big the slant is more with sports, but casino products and um you know various um internet gaming products like Candy Crush, you know, are, are supposed to be more um favorable to women. But like You know, it is overall, this is proliferating and has been proliferating at a rate of not for the past, you know, really decade, decade and a half. And we're lagging so far behind in terms of our response. So, so far behind. And we really have to get on with it. Um, You know, Alan Shatter's, Minister Alan Shatter's bill of 2012, which is a previous iteration of what we have now. I mean, we're talking over 10 years ago. I mean, like that's you know they're slow, and then there's very slow. this is this is has been incredibly slow, really in terms of getting anything in. But but hopefully this year it, it, it's, it's happening. It's
1: interesting that you mentioned that because I actually did have a quote from Alan Shatter uh, going back over a decade ago about how committed the government were at um, ensuring that there are effective and robust safeguards in place to protect young people and those for whom gambling has become a problem. Now, back then, the government was proposing... The same kind of things that we're seeing in their proposals now, such as controls on advertising and sponsorship and uh, a social gambling fund that's funded by the industry, um, we're, we're a decade waiting for that. And there, there's many reasons why that bill kind of gathered dust on a shelf for over 10 years until we got the government's new iteration of that. Can I just ask from your perspective at the coal face, say, of this, how frustrating was it to see that? okay great the government is proposing these measures but actually uh, they never they never saw the light of day as it were
0: yeah i mean it's really frustrating and it's it's kind of you know you'd lose faith in, in in the political system actually in terms of um you could quickly get cynical you know but you know i think it's it's in terms of clinical presentation we would have seen you know there's a few studies done recently in terms of the rates I think in particularly in GA teams and the rates of gambling and, you know, a lot of lads in their mid 20s, maybe. And the and these guys were, you know, 14, 15, 16 at the time when Alan Shatter was talking about the bill. And and really, it's a lost decade. You know, these guys didn't get um, they didn't get any treatment. They didn't get education packages. They didn't get protections, uh, you know, in terms of regulation and legislation. And then they present in their mid 20s in these studies. To show that you know you have a good chunk of a of, of a team who are, who are who are gambling and the rates of gambling you know are very high, so it that's no surprise and that's the product really of of the inertia you know. So yeah, it's depressing, but it's important that we look forward now and maybe even learn from that. But I have to say at the moment it's still it's still pretty ominous in terms of I mean. You know, Mr. James Brown has a uh, credit is due to him for pushing, pushing this on. But I mean, really trying to get legislation like this in in Ireland, you can see at the moment in terms of the various threats, in terms of um, the potential of football came out and we were told we we're not going to see premiership potentially. And also in terms of racing, that racing may not be shown due to adverts. You know, I mean, it's a very strong lobby here um but the reality is is that we've had far too long and far too much harm to individuals from this product and it's a, it's it's high time really that we got on with the um with the you know protections but it'll be interesting to see what happens from here on you know yeah, like I think there are a further
1: 125,000 people who are considered to be at-risk gamblers. So if we're to take those two figures together, that, that, that's that's a lot of people in Ireland who who are either problem gamblers or at-risk. But in, in terms of that, is it is so important that if we're going to tackle the problem of, of problem gambling among the population that we have a clear picture of how many people potentially we might need to help?
0: So in terms of prevalence of gambling, there's no question that um, this is a significantly uh, controversial issue. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that in terms of pathological gambling figures, you probably come to a figure of 1% for people who are severely affected. But, you know, it's very, very 1% of the overall population. But it's very important to state very clearly, I have no doubt in my mind that there are hundreds of thousands of people in Ireland affected by um, gambling. Now, what I mean by that is that at-risk figures, now you have to define what at-risk means. I mean, your listeners will probably go, well, that's somebody who might run into risk, um, but hasn't done already. It doesn't. It it means that people have been harmed by gambling, right? It means that they uh, can't meet their bills. It means they've had... Uh, you know, regular fights with their partner. It means that there may have been domestic violence towards children in the home. It means that they wish they didn't gamble, but they, they continue to gamble in the face of these adverse consequences. A diagnosis of severe pathological gambling of which would constitute 1% of the population is where you tick every single box possible for gambling disorder, right? So every single box is ticked and, you know, there's probably suicidal thoughts and somebody's completely 24 seven preoccupied and needs inpatient treatment at risk means that you're having significant problems with gambling as well. All right. So at risk, most uh, like if you go back to the to, to, to the British um, problem gambling survey in the two, in the 2000s and the gambling commission surveys after that in um, from two th- 2010 onwards, you will see a figure of five percent. My sense is that for us, and and more recently, there's been a gambler aware have done their own studies in this in the UK to look at what exactly the figures are. At, for severe pathological gambling, in from their figures on twenty thousand subjects, you're talking to two to three percent of the population in men. Okay, and for at risk, you're talking six to seven percent. I have no doubt in my mind when we do these studies and do them properly, we're talking about people affected by gambling, hundreds of thousands of people in Ireland. Okay. Some of whom the 12,000 and probably tens of thousands who are severely, severely affected. All right. And that is so important to get across in terms of, you know, the industry will say this is a very, very small fraction. It's less than 1.7% is the one that they like and also the you know the the there's some old older hrb figures that one i think that you quoted that's not relevant now we've moved on from that we know that gambling is a much more prevalent problem than that and it's affecting hundreds of thousands of people in ireland
1: in terms of the the kind of work that you do over the last decade, you you would have seen patients in, in various stages of, of being in difficulty with gambling. Do you still see things that shock you in terms of the prevalence or just how much it's 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 infiltrated people's lives when they're at a stage where they come to you?
0: I guess with there's a certain amount of repetition in terms of the presentations to us. You know, I mean it's it's um, it is a it is a, a very destructive illness that does affect the individual and the family in a very profound way. In terms of treatment, um, it is not unusual for us to be, you know, so if an individual is, for instance, stole from their employer hundreds of thousands of euro or tens of thousands of euro or even a few thousand euro, which can be very destructive, um, they have, you know, they come to the clinic and they maybe they've done inpatient treatment with us and they've told us, With complete conviction that they're not gambling, there is no test to 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 test if somebody is gambling. You can't do a biochemical test like you can with alcohol and and or hair testing in the in the case of drug addiction to tell if somebody has you know biochemically. So with gambling, it's difficult, and I suppose it is shocking if if there is one thing where you you know you 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 really can cannot believe that if somebody is completely convincing that they haven't been gambling off the background of really severe consequences such as stealing as i said or you know major problems in their life and they present to us for up to a year or two and after two years it transpires that they've been gambling all the time that's pretty shocking and and it's one that you would see with with gambling as opposed to other conditions because it's just the extent of the behaviors in gambling are so entrenched and they're characterized by lying And the word manipulating is used, but I don't like that word in terms of it's quite pejorative, really. Um, But that's what people do, essentially, is they will lie, they'll manipulate situations um, to defend themselves and to defend the ongoing gambling behavior, you know. Mm. But I guess, Sean, yeah, in terms of shock, um, you would see that with gambling versus other addictions, just the sheer nature of denial and the persistence of the problems opposite other addictions. Yeah, yeah. You also referenced
1: their uh, lobbying there earlier on. Um, as we know, the, the lobbying that has gone on around this bill over the last few years has been considerable. The Minister of State, James Brown, in the Department of Justice, who's kind of spearheading this whole thing, um, he said in april that he or his officials had met with the with the, many of the big but gambling companies such as flutter and boil sports they'd met with horse racing ireland and greyhound racing ireland and sky and and, and, and others but then they've they've also met with 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 the with, with people who are advocating like yourself for controls for for stricter curbs and the likes of that so when you had a chance to sit across from the minister or, or or his officials, what was the kind of main thrust about what you told them about why this legislation was important and why it was urgent as well?
0: Yeah, so we would have looked at the the times involved, you know, in terms of the um, problem being present for such a long time and the lack of regulation and legislation. I think that was pretty clear to, to all, um, to any observer that really there is a need um, in terms of protections. Clearly, the level of protection is, is an issue. Uh, we had a submission from the uh, Irish colleges, uh, Irish colleges Psychiatrists, which outlined that we wanted a uh, full-time ban on advertising. Obviously, what's being proposed is Watershed. In our view, there was no really need for uh, gambling advertising uh, along the lines of smoking advertising or alcohol advertising, which is significantly restricted. And, you know, the infiltration of advertising into sport, I mean, is has completely um, run out of control. So that was clearly an area, um, from the point of view of our own, from a selfish point of view, we wanted to look at and bring the minister's attention to the social fund, um, the Looking at the what's needed nationally is very, um, you know, it's a huge project. You're talking inpatient and outpatient services in every province. Um, you know, the uh, technicalities involved in developing inpatient units wouldn't be as high as a medical or surgical hospital. But still, if we're serious about providing treatment for people in Ireland, we're talking for gambling addiction, we're talking about, uh, you know, inpatient facilities in different different uh, provinces, really. You'd need one in each province and you would need a network of outpatient facilities. So the the cost of that is going to be substantial. And really what we would have asked the minister to look at in recent times is is to focus in on the costing. Now, the GRA, obviously, or the Gambling Regulatory Authority, are going to play a significant role in that. Um, And the big worry is that we don't have, you know, these a lot of these items don't fall between two stools in terms of falling between government and the GRA. Um, but from the outset, what we used to suggest was a 1% levy on overall betting turnover. I think in recent times, a more sensible approach that's emerged would be to cost up um, what would be involved in providing treatment services across the country for gambling addiction. And that's that's not, you know, if you look at the cost of one children's hospital. Um, We're talking about providing multiple inpatient facilities and outpatient facilities. So, you know, again, it's going to be substantial, but I think the industry needs to be levied appropriately to provide services for the harm that is caused by the industry. In terms of that regulator, then, like we have a very obvious comparator
1: in the form of the UK's Gambling Commission. Now, that was set up in the mid 2000s, which, which kind of gives a sense of how far behind we are in, in, in getting to grips with it ourselves. Um, but I just want to give you a few headlines um, that were on the Gambling Commission website that are just from this year alone, 2023. So the first one is £6.1 million fine for online operator Touch Games. And then we have Gambling Commission fines, 32 Red and Platinum Gaming, £7.1 million. And then the last one is William Hill Group businesses to pay record 19.2 million pounds for failures. Now, in in the case of William Hill, there was a litany of things that led to that huge fine. One example was a customer who was allowed to open an account and he spent 23,000 pounds of money in 20 minutes without any checks being put in place as to, to where this money was coming from or how he was betting it. Um, the company, which also operates Mr. Green, which is a, a casino app, um, they allowed over 300 people who wanted to exclude themselves from gambling to then gamble again uh, with their products. Um, like th- these are massive levels of fines being dished out to, to gambling firms in the UK, which some of which also operate uh, in Ireland. We see these fines routinely dished out. Would that make you worried about what has gone on here in a, what is a much more unregulated space uh, at the minute?
0: Of course, um this is this is exactly you know the the difficulties that we have at the moment in terms of the harm that's been caused to people. And you know, a lot of these offenses occur because a disproportionate amount of the betting company's turnover comes from problem gamblers. And the betting companies are aware of this. So, you know, you don't make money from the calculated uh, once, every now and again. Um, gambler, you make money from problem gamblers, and really, if we're serious about um, reducing harm in Ireland, we have to have that idea really at the forefront of everything we do. And you know, with that in mind, we need to start, uh, you know, with with the very obvious things, and we need to get a grip on on advertising. Because we know that advertising affects um not only adolescents in terms of initiation of gambling and maintenance of gambling, we also know that it affects um problem gamblers and it in my view affects them disproportionately. And we are now in a situation in Ireland where it is, you know, completely deleterious, it's completely um harmful really for people in recovery because You know, our patients that are that we treat are going into, uh, you know, they're going to a society basically that that is immersed in gambling and immersed in gambling advertising, be it shop fronts on the high street, billboards, sporting events in terms of dynamic um, hoarding advertising or static advertising within the grounds or shirt sponsorships or track suits or you know the dugouts so in you know really it is gambling advertising then is on social media it is on radio it's on television in ireland it is everywhere and um in terms of then the behaviors of of gambling companies as you've outlined via the gambling commission these fines are not going to worry the gambling companies in my view And, you know, they they will most likely continue with these behaviours until such time as, um, you know, they can't, basically. So we do have to look at that and we have to be very worried about those behaviours and assume that we're going to be facing similar problems in Ireland. But, you know, really, it's too slow in Ireland. The response has been utterly inadequate uh, and it remains too slow. And we have a mountain to climb in what we have to do.
1: Yeah, and I think that's an interesting point to to just close on because you said earlier on that the gambling regulator that has been set up and it will be active we hope before the end of the year or into 2024 you said it was a it was a starting point it was the the starting gun to try and finally get to grips with this and um, but as you just characterized there we do have a mountain to climb to 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 really do that and this is only the what the government is doing is is overdue but it, it won't fully address it at the very start
0: no i mean in terms of um I mean advertising the you know, there's still a gambling going or if if they've pushed through with with what is a starting point, and that's by no means guaranteed at this point, we'll have to see what happens, it's still not enough. I mean, in terms of you know, our recommendations from many years ago from through the Irish College of Psychiatrists, so it was that we should have no gambling. But I mean the gambling advertising. But in terms of a starting point, um that 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 should come in uh, quickly in terms of um, player protections, um, you know, um, betting limits, uh, loss limits, um, you know, the 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 actual ability to exclude yourself properly. Betting registers the potential for a card registration, as they have in other countries. Um, you know, that's a whole um, our responsible, to RGI's of responsi- responsible gambling initiatives. That's a huge issue in itself um and you know the in terms of what the regulator is going to do in terms of fines and levies and you know what are, you know is the regulator going to have teeth or not and what what's going to happen when when we have these transgressions as we've had in the UK that's a big question the social fund are we just going to pay lip service to setting up services and really helping people who are devastated by gambling addiction? Or are we just going to put a paltry sum to it and, you know, um, just say, oh, well, look, we've set up a service here in Dublin or wherever. That's not going to be sufficient, you know, so. So for hundreds of thousands of people affected by gambling addiction, it's obvious we need uh, we need an inpatient um, a treatment centre in every province, and we need a network of multi uh, multidisciplinary teams across the country, uh, as as a bare minimum. So, are we going to do that properly? Are we going to just, you know, um, you know, fudge it and and put a centre here and there and say, look, we've ticked the box, you know? So that's a big question. And then, in terms of education, are we going to do a national campaign? Of, of advertising to young, directed at young men about the harms of not only gambling addiction but the the, the problems that you know in terms of um, what the what the internet has presented to us in terms of accessing porn, internet gaming. Um, you know, are we really going to take that seriously? Um, I have my doubts. I have to say, I, I I I would I I will be pleasantly surprised if I see it but um you know we're going to need a huge uh change in the way we do things because for the last 10 going on 15 years it's been it's been utterly inadequate
1: well brilliant stuff listen colin thank you so much for your time today i really appreciate that and thanks so much for being on the mick podcast
0: many thanks to you sean and um, hope you have a good day thanks so thanks to
1: colin and thank you so much for joining us this week we'll be back next week with another episode and until then take care